All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you. What a day to worship God together. It's been an amazing day so far. Before we go any further, though, I just want to say hello to and welcome in our family joining us right now over at the South Campus and all of our family joining us online wherever or whenever you are watching this. And a special shout out to those watching from Upshur County Jail. Come on, North Campus. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. I want to thank you for joining us today. Hey, if you're new here today, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Thank you for spending Easter with us. We have a gift for you before you leave, so make sure to get that on the way out. Before I go any further, though, I think I need to address the elephant in the room, and that is the fact that I'm wearing a pink suit. And so um, if you know me, I don't normally wear pink, but I was like, I just got to address it because people are going to be like, is something wrong with my eyes? Uh, is he really wearing a pink suit? The... Uh, Reviews have been mixed. Um, the younger people are like, I love it. And the ladies are like, it's beautiful. And men are like, you're bold. And uh, it's just a different approach. You're very comfortable in your skin, they say. So I thought, let me just tell you what happened so you'll know. Get it out of the way. I wanted a pink jacket for Easter. So I was looking everywhere for a pink jacket. And I finally found one. And when I went to buy it, the guy was like, well, sir, the whole suit is on sale for $2 more. <laughs> And I was like, be wrong not to get the suit, right? So your boy got a pink suit. And, uh, and, and I can only wear it on Easter. So, you know, uh, maybe my annual Easter suit. Anyway, no, I just thought I'd get it out of the way. Hey, if you're, if you're new to us as well, we've been in a series now. This is the seventh week of this series that's been called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And we've been looking at the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross and really in his most painful day on earth and the things that he said that were very powerful, we've been learning from them. Our theme verse has been Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 that says, let us run this race with endurance, the race that is set before us as we look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I love that. For the joy set before him, he went through the pain of the cross for you and for me. And that's what we're celebrating today. But we're learning from him. So we're looking to what he said. And I won't recap all of them for you, but I would, just be, I would encourage you. I know that all of us have bad days in this life. All of us have difficult days. We're all going to go through struggle and pain at different points. And we need to learn from Jesus how he got through those. We've learned how to forgive everyone trying to ruin your life. I know that you think there are people trying to ruin your life. And we got to forgive them. And we learned how to help other people who are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with. We learned how to take care of those closest to you because in your pain and in your suffering and in your struggle, the family and those closest to you, they often suffer the most as well. And then we talked about aiming your hard questions at God. I'm sure you've never had a hard question in your life, but if you do, take them to God. Don't take them to man because God has the answers for you. And then we also talked about being human enough to acknowledge your need. Every single one of us is human, and that's why God puts us in the family of God, because we have needs and we need each other. But then last week, we talked about being assured that your pain has a purpose and it does have an end. It will come to an end. And so today, we're going to look at the final statement that Jesus made on the cross, and it's found in Luke chapter 23. So if you have your Bible, turn there. If not, we'll put it up on the screen. But Luke 23, 44 says that by this time... Remember, Jesus is on the cross here. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell on the whole land until three o'clock, and the light from the sun was gone. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. 
Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. The last thing that he said is, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Picture with me, if you will, this moment and this day that it is dark in the middle of the day. It was noon, and from noon to three, it was like it was pitch black. It'd be like you going out of here today and it being like it was midnight outside. This is how dark it was. It was figuratively the darkest day in history and literally maybe the darkest day in history in this moment. And then something powerful happened there. If you caught it, it says that the curtain that was in the temple was ripped in two. That curtain in the temple, if you don't know, it was the thing that separated normal people from the presence of God. That's where the presence of God was kept, in the Holy of Holies. And there was this curtain that was there. And only the high priest could go in every once in a while in the presence of God. But what was happening in that moment is Jesus was tearing that curtain in two, making way for you and I to be able to enter the presence of God like we did today. What you felt during this time of worship was the presence of God. And you and I can go before him anytime because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's the picture of what was happening. And then he made this incredibly powerful statement, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. What was he doing? He was surrendering that day. He was surrendering his pain. He was surrendering his suffering. He was surrendering his purpose and his life into the hands of his father. And that statement is not the first time that it was mentioned in scripture. I don't know if you knew this, but actually it was Jesus referencing something David said in Psalm 31. Look at Psalm 31, 4 and 5. David said, pull me from the trap of my enemies. It's set for me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. This was actually believed to be an evening prayer by devout Jews, that they would have taught their children that that in the middle of their suffering and the pain to trust God, to surrender their spirit to him because David said this, Jesus was saying it, and the Jews around would have understood what he was saying. And this statement teaches us, you and I today, that we must surrender and let go. And that was the final statement that Jesus made, surrender and let go, or finally you could say surrender your day and let it go. Surrender your suffering, surrender your pain, surrender everything in your life, and let it go. When Jesus made the statement the week before, it is finished, we all love that one because it's a statement of triumph. But this statement was a statement of trust. And if we're honest, we can look at the last couple of years and and realize we've been through some things, right? We've been through some difficult things, maybe not just the last couple of years, but it's been ramped up in the last couple of years that made us feel a little bit anxious, a little bit worried, and if we're honest, maybe a little bit fearful at times of what could come. And the reality is, is that worry and anxiety and fear are all rooted in a desire to control. And when we don't have control, we get afraid. When we don't have control of something, we get anxious about how things are going to turn out. And we begin to feel like our whole life is out of control. So if we could be honest today in church, how many people do we have here today By show of hands, South Campus, North Campus, how many people would say, I'm a little bit of a control freak? Just a, okay, some of you are lying. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm a little bit of a control freak, right? How do you know right now you're looking around at someone you think should be raising their hand and you're just gently raising their... Reality is, it's you. You're the control freak, right? 
All of us like to be in control. There's a lot of things that we'd like to control if we're being honest, right? We'd all like to control the economy. I know I'd like to control gas prices right now. I'd love to just keep turning that dial back down to where it was. Uh, we want to control who we marry. We want to control how many kids we have, right? We want to control our job. We want to control every area of our lives, if we're honest. We want to even control our spouse's driving from the passenger seat. It's one of the biggest things we like to control, I told my wife I'd be telling this story so I don't get in trouble later, but um, she, she is so great. I have an amazing wife. Let me just start with that. Let me start with that. But I know when she's having trouble with my driving because from the passenger seat, she's pressing the brake with her hand. She's like, do you want to slow down? Do you want to stop? You know, or she'll tell me like, hey, up here is your next turn. I'm like, I've been here a hundred times. Like, I know where we're going, you know. Are you going to take that exit? Yes, babe, I'm going to take that exit. She, she has to control from the passenger seat. But I realized when I'm in the passenger seat, I am a lot more controlling than she is. I'm like, you know you're speeding? Do you know this? Um, but the re- reality is, is we're all, we're all a little bit in control. I wonder if I was a control freak. And I'm like, I don't think I am. I just like everything done my way. I'm just not a, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But the re- here's the reality. Surrender and letting go of control go hand in hand. It takes both. You've got to let go of control. And ironically, the more we try to control something, the more you lose control. The more you try to control your life, the more you try to control situations, the more you actually lose control of them. There's this thing that I studied out called the illusion of control. It's a cognitive bias which leads us to assume that we have complete control of a situation in an instance where we don't have any control. And if we were honest to start thinking about areas of our life that we thought we had control over, we'd realize, eh, I really don't have any control there at all. I mean, the last couple of years have taught us this. Men, when you got married, you thought you had control of the spending habits in your house, and you realize, I don't have control of those spending habits. But in reality, uh, I, I really feel, you know, the last couple of years, at least it revealed in me, there were things I thought maybe I was in control of, only to step back and go, you know what, I don't have control. And the more I've realized that sometimes I try to grasp harder for control of the things I feel like I'm losing, and the more I try to grip it even tighter, the more I lose the very thing that I'm trying to grip. And I've seen this in a number of situations. I've seen it in marriages where someone in the marriage begins to feel like they're losing the other person. So they try to control the marriage a little bit more. They try to control that person a little bit more, only to realize that they've actually lost them at this point. And I've seen the marriage in, I've seen relationships in. I've seen people do this with their kids where they, they try to control every aspect of their kids' lives. I'm not talking about when they're young. I'm talking about when they're grown. They start trying to control where they go and who they marry and what they're gonna do. And the more they try to control, the more they lose that relationship with their kids. You can apply this almost to any area of your life. The more you try to control, the more you lose control. And today, if your life feels out of control, I would just tell you it's because you haven't let go of control. You haven't given up control of that very thing. And maybe today you came here looking for something to stabilize your life. You're like, it's Easter. I think I'll just show up at church. I need something to stabilize my life because my life feels out of control. I've been grasping for things to to feel in control and I feel out of control. And the answer is seemingly the opposite. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 39. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. 
If you, the more you cling to it, he's saying, the more you try to hold on to it, the more you're going to lose the very thing that you're trying to hold on to. And I know that this is hard for us. This is hard for us as humans because we, we want God to help us. Like we, we actually want him to help us. We just want him to help us though. Like we want to work on it with him. Like, come on, God, come help me with this area of my life. So you may even be like, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm going to get in the passenger seat. But then you're going to reach over and you're going to hold the wheel. And he's trying to go straight. And you're like, that doesn't look very good. Let's go this way. He's trying to turn. And you're like, no, 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 look up ahead. Let's just stay going straight, right? We want God to help us. We don't want to give up full control. We want to be in control a little bit, right? This is hard for us in reality. Is It can't be God's and yours at the same time, though. He can't steer and you steer at the same time. So you can't surrender and still hold on to it. And I realize that I'm talking to a group of people here today who came to church looking for to celebrate a risen king, and, and we're, we're doing that today. But I also realize that there are people that are here today who are still trying to control every area of their life, and you feel like you've lost control. And I'm just here to encourage you today. We serve a God who's the creator of the universe. He's all-powerful. He has infinite wisdom. He has infinite answers. He has infinite resources. He has infinite blessing. Whatever we need is found in him, yet we still try to control when things get difficult because we can't see how it's going to turn out. We can't see what's going to happen. And this is where faith comes in because when we can't see, the voice of fear begins to speak in our ear. It starts as a whisper and it turns into a yell. Things aren't going like you thought. You better take over. You better, you better grab onto this. You better hold on. Oh, no, if you give up, you're going to go a direction you don't want to go and you need to, you need to take control of your life. This is the voice of fear that will come yelling in and this is where faith has to step in for each and every one of us. When it comes to surrender, Surrender is letting go of fear and taking hold of faith. You can't hold on to fear and hold on to faith at the same time. It's in that fear that we try to control even more, but it's in faith that we say, God, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to let go and I'm going to trust you. Here's the truth that I know, that all of us have an unknown future in this life. All of us. There's not one person that knows how everything's going to turn out from here until the day you die. I don't know how things are going to happen tomorrow. I don't know how they're going to happen in five years. No matter how great your plans are, no matter how great your five-year goals are, no matter how big your bank account is today, no matter how well your business is doing in this moment, none of us know the future. It is unknown, but it's known to God because he is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He's already been in the future. He knows what's going to happen. So when this comes up, when this fear rises up, we have to come to the place where we say faith is trusting an unknown future to an all-knowing God. And when you know that your future is unknown, you've got to put it in the hands of an all-knowing God and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I have to surrender my future to you. This is what Jesus was modeling on the cross with these powerful words. He said, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And this wasn't the first time that Jesus trusted his father while he was fully human on the earth. Many times would he say, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father saying. I only go where the father tells me to go. There was, there was a complete trust in the future with Jesus. In fact, even in the garden, when he would go to the garden before he would go to the cross, he was going to pray. And if you remember what he said in the garden while he was praying, he said, Father, if there's any other way take this cup from me. If I don't have to go through this suffering, take this cup from me. But then he said, but not my will, your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. That's some trust right there. 
In fact, it's how he taught his disciples how to pray. It's what we teach people as the model prayer, a daily prayer is, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to pray, God, your kingdom come and my will be done. But no, trust is surrendering control to him. In fact, you could say it this way, surrender isn't a one-time event, it's a daily choice. Because we often go, well, I'll surrender when I gave my life to Jesus, but then every day we live how we want to live. We don't truly surrender. To follow Jesus is to surrender control every single day of your life. Because there's no such thing as partial surrender. There's no such thing as saying, God, I'm 80% surrendered. But there's 20% over here that's mine. And I want to do what I want to do with it. That's like getting married and saying, I'm 80% in with you. But this 20% you can't touch. That's my life. No, no, no. It is 100% surrender. He wants your future. He wants your kids. He wants your spouse. He wants your plans. He wants every area of your life. It's not my words. Those are his words. Luke 9, 23, when Jesus was talking to a large crowd, what did he say? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. You got to give up your own way to follow Jesus. This is the challenge that you and I have. This is, this is the hard time that people have is giving up their own way, especially here in the Bible Belt. Because we like to surrender our Sundays, but not our Monday through Saturdays. We're like, God, I'll give you Sunday. I'll give you Easter. I'll give you Christmas. But don't meddle with my Friday nights. Don't meddle with my Mondays and my Tuesdays. If we're really going, I'll, I'll give you Wednesdays too. Like we're bargaining with God. The reality is, is when we don't surrender every area of our life, the areas we're still in control of, it ends in destruction. We always mess it up. But his way leads to life. His ways are better than our ways, the Bible says. His thoughts are better than our thoughts. His plans are better than our plans. His ways always lead to life. And in Jesus' final words here on the cross, it teaches us so much. But he knew this very powerful truth is that surrender comes before resurrection. He knew that he could surrender his life into the hands of his father because he knew what was coming on the other side of his surrender, right? There would be no Sunday celebration today if there was no Friday. We would not be here celebrating a resurrection if there wasn't a death. In order for there to be a resurrection in new life, there always must be death. And Jesus trusted that, that on the other side of his death was resurrection, a willing surrender. Jesus also said in John 10, nobody took my life. I laid it down. I willingly lay it down. It takes a willing surrender from you and me. And this picture on the cross is this death, burial, and resurrection. The imagery used in scripture is like a seed going into the ground, like a seed being buried into the ground that dies and then breaks forth new life and it grows into a great plant. This, this is the imagery you can see all throughout scripture. Jesus is the seed that went into the ground and he came out a great plant that bore much fruit. You and I are the fruit of what he did on the cross. But this is the same for us. Look at what Jesus said in John 12. Verse 24, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, if it surrenders, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What he's trying to say is if you let go, if you quit clinging on so tightly to your life, I will give you a greater life. But it requires a death and a resurrection. What he's saying is if you'll surrender... 
There's fruit ahead for you. There's purpose ahead for you. There's hope ahead for you. If you willingly surrender your life to Jesus and trust that on the other side of that death, there's a resurrection. Jesus is the only person that I know that wants your past, your present, and your future. He's the only one that wants the sin of your past, the shame of your past, the brokenness of your past, the things that you're afraid to tell anybody. He wants that so he can redeem it. Every other relationship that you get into, they want to know what you've been through. They want to know your past. I got to know what I'm getting into. What have you gone? Jesus knows your past because he was there and he still wants it. He knows your brokenness because he was there and he still wants it. He's the only person that I know that wants your mess, but he gives mercy in return. I love the picture here in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It's pure, it's undefiled, and it's beyond the reach of change and decay. There's the picture here that Jesus wants your past because he wants to redeem it. That's why we have been born again. The old life is gone and the new life comes when you surrender. But he also wants your present to give you life in it. That's why he says, now we live. Not one day just we live. Now we live with this great expectation of what is to come, and we have a priceless inheritance in the future. He's the only one that wants your past, your present, and your potential for a beautiful future with you in heaven. I love to say it this way. Look, as a follower of Jesus, death is never in front of you. It is always behind you because you died the day you gave your life to Jesus. If you surrender to Jesus, you died that day, and you never have to be afraid of death in the future. Life is only ahead of you. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, I love what it says here. It says that when we were dead in our sin, he gave us life. When we had no way to save ourselves, he saved us. This is the message of the gospel, that we were helpless to pay the debt of sin. We couldn't do it on our own. That's why Jesus had to die to be the sacrifice for our sin. And he asks that you lay down your life and put it in his hands. And when you put your life into his hands, he changes everything. Let me tell you this truth I wrote down because I believe it's been true in my life is when I try to control my life, I make a mess. But when I surrender my life, he makes a masterpiece. This is true in every single area of your life. I promise you it'll play out. If you try to control your marriage, you're gonna make a mess of it. If you try to control your finances, you're going to make a mess of it. If you try to control your life, it will end in a mess. And Jesus takes that mess when you surrender it to him and he makes a masterpiece with it. A life you never could have dreamed of. And that's what the joy of surrender is. There's actual joy in surrender. It takes the pressure off of you. You're putting it into his hands. The joy of surrender is you're putting your life into the only person who brings dead things to life. You're putting your life into the hands of the only one who can make dead bones come to life. You're putting your life into the hands of the only one who can take the broken pieces of your life, put them back together even better than before. That's the joy of surrender. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to trust. So what feels dead to you today? What feels dead? Maybe it's a marriage that feels dead. Maybe it's a relationship with your kids that feels dead. Maybe it's your dreams that feel dead. Maybe today you came in here and hope feels dead. You feel like you don't have any hope anymore. Maybe you've lost hope. You feel like you're in the Saturday between Friday and the Sunday. 
you're in the dark day. It feels like a death has happened and there's no sign of life for you. And I just want to encourage you today that hope is here. I want to encourage you today that Jesus came to revive every area of your life, the parts that have been dead for a day, the parts that have been dead for years. He came to breathe life into every area of your life. It's what he does. In John 10, 10, he said that there is a real spiritual enemy and he came to steal, kill, and to destroy your life. There is an enemy that wants nothing but destruction for you. He said, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life, the life you really want comes most on the other side of surrender. The life you've dreamed of comes most on the other side of surrender. That doesn't mean it'll be a life free from trouble and pain. It's a life that is entrusted to the Father. That means it's His trouble. It's His pain when you put it in His hands. And today, I believe that the Lord is speaking to many people today. No matter how organized your life may look, no matter how perfect you think your life is, no matter how great your plans are from the outside, no matter how broken it looks from the outside, there will always be a void in your life that says there has to be more than this because there is. There's more in Jesus. The abundant life you want awaits on the other side of a willing surrender. And I felt like I was just supposed to ask some people this question today. What is it that you need to surrender today? What is it that you need to put into the hands of our resurrected King today? I believe God is gonna to speak to many people right here in this moment. And I know that this is true, that he can do more with our surrender than we can do with our control. He can do a lot more with your surrender in that area of your life than you can do if you are in full control of it. Would you take a minute, wherever you are with me, would you bow your head with me? And I just wanna to go to the Lord and I'm gonna ask God to speak to you Every one of us are at different places here today. Maybe, it, maybe God is speaking to you about a, a broken relationship. Maybe he's speaking to you about a marriage that you've been trying to hold on to too tightly. And he's saying, trust me with it, son. Trust me with it, daughter. Maybe your finances are struggling and he's saying, put it into my hands. Would you trust me with it? Would you listen to me? Would you cling to me today? If you will cling to me, I will give you new life in this area. Trust him today surrender and let it go maybe you're here today and i believe there are people here today who've never fully surrendered their life to jesus you've never put your life into the hands of jesus you've been in control and you realize the mess that you found yourself in and you can't get out of it by yourself and you don't have to get out of it by yourself you just have to surrender it to jesus i believe there are people today who need to receive the free gift of salvation and put their life into jesus's hands today and I believe there's a second group of people today that maybe at one point you did surrender your life. Maybe at one point you, you surrendered your life to Jesus, but you picked it back up. It's like you started steering the car again and you started directing where everything's supposed to go and you found yourself drifted so far that you're like, I wonder if I could ever go back. And today the father is outside waiting on you like the prodigal son. And he's saying, come home. You don't have to do anything but surrender your life to me. I don't care about the mess you've made. Let me put it back together. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. That's the voice of the Father for you today. So if you're at either one of those camps today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to see your hand. Would you just say, I need that. That's me. I want to give my life. To, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Or I'm coming back home to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray this. And let's all make this declaration as well with those who are making this either for the first time or are coming home today. Let's, let's all make this declaration of faith and just say, Jesus, I surrender to you. 
I put my life into your hands. I give up my own way and I choose to follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those that made that decision today? Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.